A very good evening to you. This is Tami Gubeni sitting in for Ayabonga Tawe on this evening. It is exactly 7.41 on Metro FM Talk. If you would like to engage with us, maybe send us some tweets. You may do so at Metro FM SA. And do remember to hashtag us, Metro FM Talk. You can also send an email at Life with Tami. Our studio number is 89 And if you prefer to send us a SMS, send the number, the message, to 48439 and SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. It is now time for our business wrap on this evening and we are joined on the line by Makwe Masilela, the Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers. Good evening, Makwe. A very good afternoon. Good, oh, good, very good evening to you, Tammy. How are you? I'm very good. I mean, you must have had a great day and you're wishing that this day will just not end. Well, good for you. Let's look at uh, the, the top leading stories for today, perhaps starting with clicks who have some really good news to report as far as uh, the reflection of their strong profit growth. What would we attribute this to? You know, as a health, as a health shop, they managed to report the health results, you know, and it's a question of they've increased their footprint. I mean, you know, for the guys, as an example, to make sure that at least out of every four medicine that is sold, the one is bought from them. I mean, that's a very nice market share. And the guys managed to increase their stores to just over 700, and they've got just over 500 pharmacies as well. So the footprint is counting. And just for the year, apparently, they managed to open almost 40 new stores. So it's a question of a fit footprint, and they're claiming that half the population, uh, they're like within five kilometers radius for a click store. So that tells you something that, yes, the guys, their presence can be felt. And you compare that in this camp, which is just having around just under 200 stores. But the long and short, you know, it's all about the pricing time. It's all about making sure that you have the right promotions because we know that South African consumers are struggling. Yes, health, you can call it that, is a defensive sector because whether we like it or not, we still have to go and get that medication. But the beauty is something else because if people don't have money, I think you guys, especially ladies, will do great, you know, when it comes to beauty <laughs> issues. But hey, also they are offering when it comes to their online shopping, almost 78% of the sales, you know, and, and that was quite that was quite interesting, Markwe. Uh, the fact uh-huh. that they have said that the online store is the fastest growing store, um, and yet they're still very bold to ensure that they build brick and mortar stores around the country. When you'll find that some retailers are perhaps looking at, at that and and trying to retreat, especially with the decline in retail recently. I think they were clever because their online is more focused on the premium. Uh, product, you know, and it makes sense that only those who can afford those kind of products, they'll be able to do online shopping. So it's not like everything that they're offering is a shop, but yes, it's very interesting that they're getting that mix right, because you have to bear in mind that as much as people will try to move away from brick and mortar, you have to strike a balance. And back home here, online shopping is still at infant stages, so for them to be able to get that balance, I think, holds well for them going forward. But yes, in the long run, I agree with you that Rick and Mata, as other retailers have started doing, you know, is going to get out of fashion. But remember, a click store, it's not as big as like maybe your normal retailer shop, you know, where they occupy a large space, you know, with floors and floors, you know. So with them, it's just like a decent-sized shop. 
So I think their brick and mortar is not killing them. And also, more importantly, we have to check where are they opening their stores. They are not opening in fluent suburbs where their rental is high. They are opening in your township, uh, malls, you know, your crossing, stuff like that. So, so far, I guess it's working for them. And I think they managed to get to get the promotions right, trying to attract people. And also with their membership as well, having almost uh, around 8 million. I mean, that says a lot. It shows you that people at least are part of that membership getting to do the reward story mm. is paying off especially when you know that you you know you can buy three and get one free and and maybe some people prefer to do that bulk shopping but the fact that the loyalty program actually accounted for 78 percent of the sales that's quite huge what does that say about loyalty programs when done right i think it talks to the fact that for the fact that consumers are struggling they'll always try to shop for bargains, and like we said, buy one, get uh, another one free. It's working very well for them, and they're capitalizing on that. And to be honest, Clicks, they've got one of the old loyalty programs, you know. It has been in existence for quite some time, and so far, I think the guys are reaping their rewards. But to be honest, you know, these guys, who are they competing with? They're competing with your likes of this time, you know. And then, but yes, Please, if you check the share price itself, I mean, here today it is up almost 24%, and then this came is down almost 13%. But the price of the share price itself, I think, is kind of demanding because you check their price earnings ratio, it's almost 35 compared to that one of this came of almost 27. Though they, are, they tend to be paying dividends much better than this came, but the long and short, people are chasing bargains. Why? Because we are struggling as consumers. We'll always look for opportunities where we can save money and also the rewards program. But also, more importantly, clicks they've got the distribution. And then so far, that their distribution network managed to sign uh, some few more contracts and that's applying to private hospitals, to other pharmacies. Also, that part of the distribution managed to help their earnings. And, and uh, you know, you, you spoke earlier on just now about clicks distributing to hospitals, etc. Let's look at a, another group that hasn't uh, been doing as well as clicks the, the private hospital group Life Healthcare. They've now taken a huge profit hit. Why? Uh, the guys managed, at some point, they bought uh, 29% of the company private hospital called Next Health in India and they increased it to almost 49 for just under a billion, so they just sold it for 1.5. But now, because they're operating in Europe and also in the likes of Poland, they got into hedge contracts. You know, hedging, all you're saying, you'll be selling things, you know, for what? At a certain price, to try to lock a certain price. So now, if, say, for exchange, uh, exchange rate moves against you, you can either make losses, or if maybe they move for you, then you'll make huge profits. So they managed to, or unfortunately, they realized uh, after tax loss of almost 403 million, mainly because of that, after they've managed to get the proceeds from that sale, I think they sold it for 1.5 billion. I mean, 1.5 billion. But now, what's nice, the guys, especially back home in South Africa, they increase their patients days, you know, whether we like it or not, but that's how they make money. I mean, if you spend more days in the hospital, that's money for that. So that managed to increase as well. So they managed to benefit from that. And compared mm. to the likes of NetCare, maybe Clinic as well, 
they're not too, doing too badly because I think that's the second largest. If you look at their market cap, uh, it's almost 32. I think net case in the fifth and the medical is 52. But with them as well, uh, Tammy, I'm worried about their price earnings. It's kind of demanding compared to the likes of their peers, which is uh, their price earnings of 13, other 11. They're sitting at almost 30. So it's kind of demanding, but it's impressive to see that the guys managed to turn the corner and they think for the year they should be able to make nice profits. So like we said, they had to get a knock because of those hedging contracts, nothing else. Now, Makwe, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like you just to deliberate for a moment on what the possible strategy could have been when, um, when, when Michael Fleming, who was the CEO at the time, actually acquired this, what was initially a 26% stake in Max Healthcare, and then that eventually, you know, escalated up to 49.7%. It you know, from the sound of things, when he did this, it sounded like it was a long-term strategy to branch out of South Africa. You know, the economy was weak, there were job losses, etc., and perhaps wanting to, you know, look at, at other uh, territories like, um, you know, the, the Indian Hospital Group, for example. What could have been the strategy there and, and why, you know, pulling out so soon? But deliberate on that for a moment as we go to a break. It is exactly 7.50 right here on Metro VM Talk. We continue with our business wrap with Marke Masilela just after this. It is exactly 7.51 on Metro FM Talk. I'm Tamin Gubeni sitting in for Ayabonga Kawe. We are currently in conversation with Makwe Masilela, the Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers. Now, Makwe, we're talking about um, the fate that's befalling the private hospital group Life Healthcare. Um, the fact that in, in 2011, their CEO, Mike Fleming, you know, decided to branch out. They acquired some shares from the Indian hospital group, Max Healthcare. Um, but now, with you know, having sold those shares, they have experienced a loss. Do you think that this was a short-term investment or a change of strategy? It's a more of a change of strategy. And by then, it made sense. You know, number one, in itself, you know, we know the population there, that that country is uh, has a very decent number of people. And number two, we check their per capita income. Uh, India is not like a struggling country yet. It's part of our bridge. But the guys who were saying, let's go and look out for other markets so that we can continue to make the profit out of South Africa. At, at some point, South Africa was getting saturated. And as you said in our intro, that they got to a point where South Africa uh, was kind of struggling given their high job losses. Very few people having medical aid to be able to afford, you know, uh, their offering. But unfortunately, things didn't work out. And it's not only them, you know, even their peers, they tried to venture out of South Africa. Things didn't work out. And it's not only uh, the guys, the hospital guys. Check also what happened to the likes of some pharmaceuticals like Aspen. Unfortunately, at some point, they had to sell the stuff because you buy those things, you acquire that at the time when you start buying those things. And now when the economy is not doing okay globally, you are sitting with a huge debt as a, as a company and you are not going to be attractive. It's going to be very heavy on your balance sheet. So if you can get out and be able to reduce the debt much better, and truth be told, and the guys is that they cannot, they won't accept it. And even before we go there, even the likes of Woolworths, they tried to venture out at some point. They had to have some serious impairment. So it's a change of strategy because they are not getting the rewards or reaping the profits that they thought they will reap out there. So 
So they had to say, you know what, let's cut our losses and come back home and then just maybe try to focus on what we can deliver and at the very same time give our balance sheet a bit of a pressure by making sure that we reduce that kind of debt. And let alone that even back home here, after you, I mean, if that report we just got on the private health system is anything to go by, it shows you that it has been overcharging us, so meaning going forward, the competition uh, commission will be looking into their pricing and also this whole thing of NHI coming into being. I think for me it makes sense that they make sure that they regroup, make sure that they've got enough cash, less debt, so that they can weather any storm that they might have to face in the future. Mm, and with that being said, a Life a Healthcare says that they are expecting good results for the 2019 year, and uh, this considering the you know the challenging operation conditions that they're finding themselves in. They say they expect their revenue to rise between 7.9 percent and 10.3 percent. How yes. how plausible is that? It is possible, like we said earlier, Tommy, for the fact that you've got more people coming in and staying much longer. That's money for them, you know. And yes. Not a nice thing to say, you know, but that's how the guys make money. And back home here, they've managed to increase those numbers of patients stay. And that's one of the ways that they think they'll continue to make that kind of money. And whether we like it or not, yes, they're issuing new licenses, but people are getting licenses now to open private hospitals. Unfortunately, they don't have the money to be able to open those hospitals. They end up going to the big boys like them as well to partner with them. So the guys are in a very good position up until they start having serious competition. But Becomier is still the three guys who are dominating. And for the foreseeable future, it will still be them. Hence, the guys are confident that they should be able to make profits for the year to come. But it's more a question of they've managed to increase the patient's stake. I'd like us, Mark, to also focus on the latest at the the PIC. They've now fired the investment manager that was implicated in the in the IO deal, uh, Victor Siani, an assistant portfolio manager. Give us a little bit of um, you know background regarding that. You know, from what we've just heard from the commission, it's a question of number one. When the guys were approached, you know, looking for funding, they came with their own terms. One of the terms was. You have to meet our timeline because we have to go and list at the JSE. Secondly, we are selling you at a price of almost 43 rands. That's not negotiable. The guys did their homework, they did the evaluation, they said no, this is overvaluated. But now, unfortunately, he's claiming that he was overruled by the powers in, in PIC that you're going to go with that price. So they are saying the guys apparently. They, they, they didn't follow the right uh, investment policies. They didn't even follow the right uh, governance uh, uh, policies that they have to. So as they had the, what do you call it, the disciplinary hearing chaired by an independent person, they realized that now you float the rules. But the question is, is he the only one who has done that or the other big boys who did that and gave him the instruction by putting pressure on him? I think we have to be mindful of the fact that you know, putting pressure on an employee or uh, 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 you don't necessarily have to put it in writing. Sometimes just people they are worried about their jobs. They try to please the big bosses. And that's what is claiming that I raised the issues. But I was told that no change. All that you have just said, put it this other way. But yes, as a professional, you should be 
able to stand by what you see after standard the evaluation. Whether the big bosses are going to change that or not, it's not your problem, as long as you can put that in writing. So he's not as innocent as he, he wants us to believe. He was part of that, whether it was because he was forced to do that, that's another story. But it's a question of the PIC, they're trying to make sure that they clean themselves with the new interim board as well, probably with the new CEO that will be coming, because it's a very important institution. I mean, the PIC changed the complexion of the JSE when they were started to uh, to be allowed to invest in equities, because before they were 75% into bonds. The PIC continues to play a very crucial role when it comes to funding, especially black businesses, because we don't have access to capital, especially the commercial banks. So to make sure that it's cleaned up and they continue to help people, whether it's on unlisted or listed equities, continues to be important, but it still has to be done within certain parameters. People still have to follow their right policies, you know, to implement whatever that needs to be implemented. And I don't think this is going to be the first one going. I mean, he's the first one. I think there'll be more coming because the guys are serious about making sure that they recoup whatever that they can. And we have just heard that they are acting the new chairman, a real cause, they even going to the extent of wanting to sue the company itself, you know, that we need our money back. Because as we're talking, that share price is just over five rents compared to the 43 rents that the guys paid. That's almost 88% down. So pensioners or public servants, they lost lots of, lots of money when it comes to that. The way they've just lost money when it comes to paying off. Mm, this is certainly one that has, you know, all of South Africa and, and all public servants, you know, watching to see what will happen. And as you're saying, uh, getting all of that money, uh, the full investment plus the interest, that's what um, the, the PIC is wanting uh, from IO. But IO is, is obviously going to be opposing that matter. Now, the, the head of corporate affairs at the PIC, Dian Bota, has said that, uh, you know, there are other people who are being investigated. So as you rightly said, Markwe, it doesn't look that uh, Vic, like Vic is going to be the only one. There will be others to follow. But just before we wrap up for this evening, Zimbabwe now has made an announcement that they plan to cut power to mines and, and farms. I mean, this this is going to have a, a huge impact on productivity there. I, I think the other way around, you know, is already having a negative impact on Zimbabwe's coffers because that electricity company is a state-owned enterprise. So it means the state as it is, it doesn't have money because people are owing them almost $77 million. So I think it's a question of those private companies, if the minute they don't, they don't pay, then it means the government must step in. It's going to end up being a situation that you are having to come here with ESCOM, that people were not paying ESCOM, stuff like that. They are sitting with this uh, data, stuff like that. So one or the other, it has to be recouped. And I think that taking the, the, the correct action, uh, uh, Tammy, I think those private shareholders in those companies, whether it's farmers or whatever, or mining companies, those, com- those companies are not owned by the government. So why should you just allow them not to pay you and they continue to operate? Let them feel the pain. And if you're going to start thinking along the lines that the, the economy is going to struggle, then I think that's the wrong approach because now we're going to allow guys to do the wrong thing. You know, by not paying, it's not the right thing. Let them pay. And I think the minute they switch them off, it will affect their production. It will affect their bottom line. They will fill it in their pockets. Then probably they will start trying to pay because definitely that cannot be justified. Why cannot pay? 
As you said, Mark, with the, the bill, the amount of money that Zimbabwe has to recover is in the region of seventy-seven million, um, you know, dollars. There, that, that's that's a huge bill. If these mines and and the farms are unable to pay, what are the chances then of perhaps liquidation and um, the, the government never actually getting their money back? But also the prospect of no further business. You know, the beauty with with the markets is that you know the minute you've got a seller chances are there will be a buyer and those buyers they should be able to take buy everything and their liabilities and maybe have an arrangement with the government because we cannot shy away from demanding money because we think you're going to close down i think we should shy away from overcharging you because now it's going to put a strain on you as a company but if we agree that we need to pay x amount or not even complaining that our tariffs are high please pay because if you cannot, it means, you, as it is, you cannot run that business because you are not able to pay some of your expenses. Electricity continues to be one of the big expenses. Uh, tell me, remember that as we're talking, public servants in Zimbabwe cannot get in money. I think their salaries have been reduced by almost 80 to 90 percent. Someone who used to earn 7,400 a month is now taking home only 596. The public service cannot even afford the transport to go to work. And here at the same time, you want now the government to continue to help their electricity company. In the, in the meantime, we've got people which are private companies not paying them. I don't think it balances. Mm, where then would you say is the logic in increasing uh, the electricity tariffs by 320%? This is what uh, Zimbabwe has, has done, making it literally unaffordable. True, that's not right. You see, hence I'm saying when it comes to increasing tariffs, I don't think that's fair. But whatever is true, I think they should be having a different argument that, listen, we are happy to pay what we used to pay, not the new increment, because we cannot afford it. As I said, it's over 300%. I agree. That is just too much. But before the increment where you're paying, if you are not paying, then it's a different story. So I think you'll have a better case to say, listen, I'll continue paying what I've been paying because I cannot afford the new increment. Then that's a different story. But even if, but if you are not even paying what you were supposed to pay before, then I don't think that argument holds at all. But yes, it's not fair to just start increasing things by over 300% stuff like that. We are killing business. So on that side, yes, I think the Zimbabwean government is wrong. But miners and farmers, they are also wrong for not paying what they were supposed to pay before. Mm, I guess it's worth noting as well that, you know, this is not a, a blanket arrangement that's going to happen with all of the mines. Uh, we did have the Zimbabwe Chamber of Mines, um, which represents uh, a, a lot of the big gold producers, a lot of the big platinum producers, saying that, no, 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 this doesn't affect their members because they are in good standing, that they've been paying, um, the you know, the Zimbabwe for, for electricity. So uh, I guess that is a bit of a breather there. So it's not all productivity that's going to stop. Those who've been paying um, will continue to have their supplies. And remember, if they're not paying, it means the shareholders are getting more money. They're smiling all the way to the bank because their dividends will go up. Mm, so I think we'll leave it at that for tonight, Mark But Thank you so much. A great insight there as we're going through some of the day's leading business stories. You have yourself a great evening further.
That's Makwe Masilela, they're the Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers. And the final story there, the Zimbabwe Electricity Transmission and Distribution Company saying that they are going to be disconnecting mines and farms as well as other users who have not been paying their electricity. And their bill has now amounted to $77 million, not small change. It is exactly five minutes after 8 o'clock. This is Metro FM Talk. I am Tamingo Beni sitting in for Ayabonga Tawe. Very excited about um, the next two segments that we'll be having this evening. We'll be talking the Pendering Awards. And that is our culture talk for tonight. And also our thought leader will be joining us shortly to talk about the power of Amastokfell.